There we go. Uh, we're, we're taping it. The goats must not be here. That's what we're going to do. We're taping the sermon for the goats. Uh, our lesson's going to come out of Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. This is really kind of an Easter verse, but it falls with us today because we're preparing for the second advent. And we'll sing that sermon to you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, there we go. You, you threw me off. I had to shift gears. I'm, I'm, I'm in between a neutral now. Uh, Luke chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Then he said to the multitudes that came to be baptized, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit worthy of the repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down <clears throat> and thrown into the fire. So that the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? And he answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has, has food, let him, give, let him do likewise. Then the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, What shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now as the people were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. Those sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his threshing floor and gathering the wheat into his barn with the chaff, he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other ex exhortations, he preached to the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise God. <clears throat> we do something a little different. We're going to kind of run through this again real quick. We're going to kind of outline some of the highlights. In January, uh, probably January, it depends what we do at the end of December, we're going to do Luke as the Bible study on Sunday night. So you get a better understanding of Luke then. Here's John the Baptist. He's baptizing the multitudes. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees come up. He looks like he's talking to this group of people, but he's really talking to this group of people. And he sits there, he says, he says to the multitudes, and the multitudes were the Jews and the Gentiles. So we see ta uh, tax collector would have been a Jew, but the soldier was a, was a Gentile. And so he's talking to both people. Both people are coming. To, 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 the, to a faith with God and they're going along but there is some that are not happy isn't that like church today man you start getting people in the church and start baptizing them man we don't want those people here I did a motorcycle ministry at a church one time 200 people showed up and they called the bishop we don't want those people 
but I'm in the lap of hall now. <laughs> in the lap of glory. That's why I'm here. But so, but so go along. Have we not seen that before? Somebody comes up just like Tammy's uh, uncle, great uncle I was talking about. Man, I went in there and saved him. We took a bottle of water. We baptized him. Is he really saved? You know, people just don't want to believe the power of the work of God. And that's we got the Sadducees and the Pharisees coming. And Jesus is baptizing these people over here. And he's, it looks like he's talking to them. He says, brood of vipers, a brood of vipers, or brood, excuse me, it's pronounced brood. Brood of vipers, viper is this very, very poisonous snake. This is a den of snakes. That's what he calls the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We would call them the religious leaders. I'd call them the decom board or the board of ordained ministry in the Methodist church. There's people of vipers, they got more, they're spitting more venom than they are the word of God. Do we know people like that? Boy, they can carry their Bible. They can carry their Bible. They can quote scripture to you. But their actions speak nothing but the devil. Those are the people that are here on the good times, but they can't find time to be here during the normal times. But so we're, we're going on here. And he said, this is, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? People. I had this discussion at the Harley-Davidson dealer the other day. Uh, when I'm stressed out, I go to the Hard Davidson dealer. They know me well. And, and so we're, we're there. And, and we're coming along. There's coming a day. And I believe the day is sooner than we realize. It's going to come like a tidal wave and hit the world. And that's when the church is going to get raptured. And the rest, the door of grace is going to close just like in the days of Noah. And there's nothing those who are unsaved can do about it. It's too late. It's too late. And that's what Jesus said. There's, there's various fruit to worthy. Then what should we do? I mean, and it goes along. They don't even ask that question. Jesus turns around and tells them. Remember, he's talking to the Jews. He's talking to these, this crowd of people. But he's really talking to this crowd. He turns and says, Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Our talk talks and our walk walks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. I used to have a sermon I used to do on that. Or a men saying, don't ask me to do it real fast. And, and, and to begin this, and so bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say, because this, he already knew what they were thinking. For you say that God was able to... Uh, Back up. We have Abraham as our father. He's talking to the Jewish leaders now. We have Abraham as our father. We are saved because we're a Jew. That's what they're saying. How many times do we see people that, man, I'm saved because I go to church. I'm saved because my grandma took me to church and prayed for me. I'm saved because I put a little money in the offering plate. I'm saved because of. There's only one thing to have saved you people. You and me, is that you have a relationship with Jesus. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, and you live a life worthy of that. That's it. That is it. You have to have, you can't just say it, you got to believe it, and you got to live a life that says that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. you got to live this life that way, where I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. He's talking about rocks now. 
Uh, he must have been, me and Harold must have been standing there. Are those two rocks right there? <laughs> they're, they're smarter than us, smarter as a box of rocks. I can make them say. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What happened to Jerusalem just a few years after Jesus' death? It was wiped out and destroyed. It was wiped out and destroyed because the axe was already laid to them. <clears throat> So now, the crowd of people that's with Jesus. Remember, Jesus is talking to the crowd, but he's really talking to them, to these religious leaders. The crowd that they thought was talking to him, and this is important, said to them, and saying, what shall we do then? He's not talking to the religious leaders anymore. He's talking to the, 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 just the normal crowd that's there. And he answered and said, who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. I went to a Bible study many years ago. It was United Methodist Women Bible Study. Diane Shedd taught it at uh, Epworth by the Sea. Every July, the United Methodist Women do a wonderful Bible study. Now <clears throat> they're on something. And this was on, on, uh, on Mexico, the poor in Mexico. And we don't have to really go to Mexico. We really kind of have it in our, our state. How many of us, it's got me thinking, you know, I used to have pants. I showed a picture. There's a lot of people about when I was 30. Hannah was about a year old. It's about 20 years ago. How little I was. I used to actually be skinny, people. And, uh, and I picked Hannah on my lap. I got the picture if you want to see it after church. But, but so go along. Man, I wore a 36 waist. Think about that. And today I wear, that's none of your business. <laughs> It takes the whole acre of cotton to build my clothes. <laughs> so we do a good cotton crop every year. And but so we go along. <clears throat> I wore a 36. And so I retired and I started getting a little bigger. Let go to the gym less. Got a little bigger. Got a little bigger. I used to have, it was first in the bottom drawer of my dresser. Then they got put into a box. Because the bigger clothes had to fit somewhere. <clears throat> And I used to have a box in a closet full of clothes that one day I'm going to fit into again. How many other people have done that? Well, I like that. That's my favorite t-shirt that I never wear it, or my favorite shirt. How much excess do we have? How much excess? And Diane Shedd was teaching this. And so, <clears throat> Diane Shedd... She says, go home and start putting a mark, a little a tab on every piece of clothing you have and see how much at the end of the year, how little clothing you actually wore. How much clothing you have that is excess. And now you might have a formal dress or a tuxedo or something that's only worn occasionally, and that's fine. That can be excluded. But pants, shirts, how much excess do we really have in our home? And yet, Jesus says, you know, there's people out there with nothing. How much food do we have? And now, in our country, we say there's people that are hungry. A lot of people, if you're like in my house with kids that are hungry, what they're hungry is because there's nothing that they want to eat. There's plenty of food. Well, have a peanut butter, I don't want a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Well, have some Romulan noodles. I don't want noodles. Well, make yourself an egg sandwich. I don't want an egg. I don't, well, the problem is, you're not really hungry, you just want to go out to eat. There's, let's just cut to the chase. We'll just cut to the chase. 
But there's people out there going along, and in our country, there's where pretty much everybody's willing to able to get food if they will ask for it, ask a church or, or somebody else that will help them out. There are some countries that live by a bowl of rice for every one or two days. And Jesus says, go along, and the bottom line, let me sum this up for you. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Period. And and what purpose did God put us on the earth for? What purpose are we here? I sat there and I had a guy who was my new harvest. He's still a friend of mine, a motorcycle guy who's coming to church. And he sat there and he said, Preacher, if God is real, why do we have hunger in the world? Why do we have all these problems in the world? Guy made a six-figure index for, for a job. And I asked him, his name was David. I asked somebody, I said, David, how much have you given and how much time have you spent with somebody else? See, God's put us on the earth to be vessels to help others. And uh, you know, we're, we're here to help each other out. And so when it comes to people not having stuff or people that are depressed, people are depressed. People are having these problems just in the city of Alapahal. One of the things the PB&J opened my eyes to, we had a lot of elderly people that are lonely. The other day, I loaded up four of them in my truck. We all went to McDonald's. We got a dollar biscuit. I can afford a couple dollar biscuits for everybody. And we had a blast, black and white. They're all in the truck. We've had six, or there's six of us total. We're driving down the road, just going along. I, I started picking up one. Hey, can we pick up this other one? Can we pick up this one? Can we pick up that one? And we had them all in the truck, and away we went. First, we started with the little truck, then I had to go get the big truck. And it was a great time. And those women, it was all women. Those women had a blast. We were just there because people see people need that. They, they had food in their house. What they needed was somebody to know somebody cared. We have that in our community. They're our neighbors. Many of us that live in the city, our neighbors are the ones that need to know somebody cares. And, and no matter what you do, you cannot outgive God. But we are to be the hands and the feet of and we go back up here. To live a life of repentance to show, to show that you know that God's your Lord and Savior is to be his vessel into the world. And so when Jesus comes, when that day comes, when Jesus comes and the church is taken, if you're not taken, you will realize, well, I lived a life for myself and not for God. So you don't have to be educated. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to know all this stuff. You need to know two things. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And he wants us to live a life of where we live for others. Just as he has lived for us. And, and that's the basic of the good news of the story. That's the good news of the story on that. And so he comes and he tells us, and we are to be, to me, not replacement theology, but just like theology, we are to be the John the Baptist of the world today. Similar to that, what was John's the Baptist mission? We're, we got really two missions. We're to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're to be the ones that care and love others until Christ comes and returns. But we're also to be the ones who go out and say, and in verse 16 it says, one is mightier than I, the, one is mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the power of the Holy Spirit and fire. John Wesley says, you know how somebody's full of the Holy Spirit? When they have a love for humanity. 
It's not speaking in tongues. The Methodist theology, it's not speaking in tongues. It's not any of this other stuff. To have the power of the Holy Spirit placed upon you and to know you're filled with the Holy Spirit is when you have a love for the lost. Man, those people are lost. They need my help. And you're willing to share your story everywhere you go. I've shared this many times. I've shared this many times with uh, uh, people. Is Here's a fear of mine. This is an honest-to-goodness fear of mine. You got Revelation 20. The dead, to those who have died outside of Christ throughout all eternity, or all history of the earth, will be raised and stand before God. The church has been raptured, and we're the saints that stand behind God. And so you got a good front row seat. Somehow or another, you got a good front row seat, and you're in your nice white robe. And I don't know why God got white robes for us. Even in heaven, I'll probably still get mine dirty. You rarely see me wear white. Tammy bought me a pair of white pants once, and I didn't even make it to the church before I got it. And I lived next to it before I got them dirty. <laughs> what were you doing? And, and, and so we're going along with our white robes. You're standing there. You know, every tear will be wiped away. It's not to the very end, like 22 or something, 22 or 23 Revelation. What if you're standing there and there's your neighbor? There's your son, your grandson, your daughter, your friend, your wife. What if they're standing on the other side? Because you or I did not share the gospel with Jesus with them. This is a time, Advent, prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. Jesus come the first time that we may have life, and we may have life more abundantly and more fully. And most of us here today have life abundantly, do we not? We have life abundantly. How many people here are not blessed? We are blessed just by being here, are we not? I mean, think about it. Think about your life real quick. You're, 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 you're living life abundantly. And through that abundance, Jesus knew that we were going to struggle with the next part. If somebody's going to throw up in your face, Liz, when you were 20-some years old, do you know what you did? Or when you were living with your daddy, helping your daddy on the farm, do you know what you did? And your mom, you know, all of us have that story. I mean, that's why I don't go home very often. Oh, man, Larry, I can't believe you're the preacher. You know what? All that was paid for. We were talking right before, Jeff and I and Harold were talking right before. Christians today have the hardest time forgiving themselves. And it hinders us on sharing the gospel with Jesus. Because I can't, if myself isn't forgiven, how can he really forgive you? And if people can't see that I have been forgiven, how will they ever believe that they can be forgiven? See, Jesus solved that problem. When he said, this is my body. For the penalty of sin is punishment and death. He was punished for your sin and mine. From the beginning, we had a great Bible study the other day. From the beginning of time, from Genesis 1-1, God set up the covenant for sin has to be a blood covenant to pay for the price of sin. And Jesus says, this is my blood which is poured out for you. 
Not for the covering of sin, but for the payment of sin. The story, the gospel story is that Jesus loved us so much that he died for us. For us to be the one to carry that message into the world. The greatest present anybody can ever get is the relationship with Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we humble ourselves as we come. And Lord, we, we ask you to bless this bread to be the body, this juice to be the blood. And Lord, that it will be will remind us of the price you pay for our abundant, blessed life. And Lord, that we will be so blessed that we will realize that we'll go out into the world and bring others to the table to be in relationship with and Lord, we ask you this in the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jeff and Harold, come on up. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ which is poured out for you. Paul and I will serve the gluten-free. As you're ready, come forward. You, you got to serve for a minute. We're trying a new format with uh, recording. It says it's recording. I don't know if you guys have iTunes or Spotify or one of those other things, but instead of going to YouTube and using a lot of data, which should be an MP3 file that we can download now. But this guy's helping me with this, so hopefully we're doing better. Uh, our lesson today is going to come out of Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. This is Mary's song. Uh, who else sings a song in the Bible when God answers their prayers? Actually, a couple of them do. Uh, David does. I was thinking of Hannah, but then I got thinking about Hannah does. Uh, so does Miriam, Moses' wife. Uh, so there's a couple, they, they, they sing the song. And, and think about this here real quick. Here's the history lesson behind this. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, is probably aunt and uncle, it says relatives, probably aunt and uncle. They're old in age. Zachariah is, is visited by an angel and says that they're going to give a child in their old age. Mary is also visited by a child, by an angel, excuse me, and she is very young. She is a teenager. But before we get too far off on that, that was typical that day. Uh, but put Mary in her perspective. She's not married, and we've gone through the Christmas story many times. Mary's not married. Uh, now at least Joseph, she's, she's all in line with Joseph now because the angel visited Joseph too. And, and so she hears that her relative, which we believe Aunt Elizabeth, has also the baby, and she goes up there. And I mean, just think of this, you know, she's not a rich woman. Her family does not have, possess a lot of money or, or you know, 
they're just just common folks is what Mary is. Let me just put it that way. She's common folks. You don't have a lot of resources or anything. And who's going to believe the story? Oh, the Holy Spirit got me pregnant. You know, all right, you know, I mean, we look at the story from the backside up. You know, who there? And so to me, and the way I always portray the story is Mary is probably scared and not sure until she sees Elizabeth. Of course, when they, we know when the babies are, they're both in the womb, but when the babies get close together, John, which is in, is in Mary's, uh, Elizabeth's womb, jumps with great joy because he's near his Savior. And that affirms to Mary that God is involved in this, and that God is doing all there. And she comes up with this song. She sings this song, uh, which some of it's out of Psalms. You know, she kind of mixes a couple things together. Uh, she's out of Psalms 138, out of Psalms 103, 71, 111. They, the Psalms, you want to see the Israel hymn book? It was the Psalms. That's the Psalms were sung. They were sung there. Uh, and so uh, we go along there. So here's the story. First Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And this is Mary singing now. I was going to sing for you, but I decided not to. Uh, Y'all are blessed because of that. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty and has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from the thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, Abraham, and to his seed forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Break this song in three pieces. Verses 46 or 47 to 49 is about Mary. 50 to 53 is about the people. And then 54 and 55 is about the nation Israel. And so I look at this. We're going to look at the first part mainly. I look at the first part of it mainly there. Is, you know, she's talking along. My soul magnifies the Lord. Think about who Mary is. Think about, and we're looking at the story from the backside forward. You know, we're the, we're the Monday morning quarterbacks now. We know what all Mary's going to go through. And I don't think she probably understands all she's going to go through. But she knows God, in the situation she is in, God is in control. And how many times when we get into a situation do we try to control the situation? Or do we try to... Uh, we, we sit there like, this is my favorite one. I mean, I'm not, this is what I do. This is what I say is my favorite. Whine and complain. Oh, you know what that person did. Yo, you know what that person did. You know what? I mean, we just whine and complain about it. And that's our first response. James tells us that this is the hardest verse to live. Count it with great joy when you fall in trials and tribulations. Because those trials and tribulations... Through the testing of all that brings patience and brings through patience it brings faith and brings strength in knowing that God is in charge. And, and, and so when we got to listen to that, that's a great sermon to preach until you're going through the trials and tribulations and somebody tells you, 
Preacher, have great joy. It's easy to preach it. It's hard to live it. I just tell you up front. I know that for spirit. But, but, so, but here's Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She's also talking in past tense. And she has already, she's acknowledging what God has already done for her. She's acknowledging what God has already done. So she's in this past tense there. For he has, he's not he is, but he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And so she's acknowledging that God, yeah, God has taken care of me from the beginning. Uh, the situation I'm in now is because of God. And God's going to take care of my future also. He's going to take care of both sides. He, God is going to take care of us in all things. For he who is mighty has done a great thing for me. He who is mighty has, again, it's a past tense term there, has done a great thing for her. And he says that she'll be blessed among all generations. Well, the angel Gabriel told her that. From here on out, you'll be blessed. And that's where our Catholic brothers and sisters, Mary stands high because she's the mother of the son. And the angel said that the whole world will call you blessed. But think about real quick, again, we're this Monday morning quarterbacks, all that Mary had gone through. All that she has gone through. Where was her son born? In an animal barn. In a stable. And all. And of course we know all this thing. And all the things that she has gone through. Of course we know what it is. Did she know or not? But she knew. Regardless of what was going on in her life. That Jesus or God was in control. God's in control. And goes along. Because in the next verse, she's going to confirm this. Verse 50, and his mercy is on those who fear him. There is a lack of fear for God today in this world. That is our problem. And when we mean fear, it's not trembling fear. It's reverence. But my dad used to have a saying. When I was a kid, all the way up to about 16, I realized he'd go to jail then, maybe. My dad used to sit there and say, and I've said this before, and it's your lap, but... Son, I made you. I can take you out and I can make another one just like you. I come to learn that I'm unique and special. There's no way you can replace me. But that's a whole other story. But, uh, but, so, but I believed that for the longest time. You know, and, and, but my dad, my dad was a hard man. My dad was, a, I mean, I say he's a hard man. He was a strict man. I don't know how to quite say that right without making it sound like he was an abusive man. But I respected my father. My father brought the good tidings in the house, and he also brought the punishment in the house. You know, when we messed up, he was the one that punished us. But when we did good, he was the one that rewarded us. I respected my father. I had fear of my father. Not trembling fear every time I was with him. I had the respect. But knowing at any moment, he could smite you at the same time. He had a 52-inch belt. He could get you from here. And, uh, and uh, so we look at that. God is that way. And that's what she's talking about here. There is, I'm telling you after this weekend, there is a lack of reverence for God. Look at the church today. Look what's going on in the church today. Catholics. I talk Catholics. I was kind of raised semi-Presbyterian. I didn't realize it until I actually got into the church, into ministry. Back in the chancellery where I'm at, in the Catholic church, who was allowed up here? Just the priests and the deacons. Nobody else. And when we were kids, we never, unless the pastor called us to this area, and we were going to speak or read a uh, so 
We never stepped in this area. And today we got kids that run all around the church. The sanctuary was a holy, holy place. And when you walked in the sanctuary, you had reverence because that was the house of God. That was where God was supposed to be residing. That's where you were at. Uh, and, and we don't have that today. People are going along, and just we can say this, I don't know why people are going. I don't want to dog them for not being here. But we, we go along, people, church has anymore just turned into a, well, if I can fit it in my schedule, I will. And, and so we go along, uh, you know what, uh, God goes along. We have been lied to for generations and generations. So this is Larry theology here. You don't really need to go to church. God's with you through the Holy Spirit. And wherever you're at, you can pray to God. Well, that is true. But from Genesis all the way, we see from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end, the Bible confirms that God meets us in worship. God meets us in, in, in the gathering of people. God's presence is more powerful in the gathering of people than he is with us individually. And so we realize that. So what's all the excuses that people don't have? So, and I don't want to beat you guys up because you're the ones that are here. But we, so we go along, but there is a lack of fear of God in our country this day. There's a lack of fear. And I say some of it is because how us church people have lived. We have shown the people it's okay to miss church when you're not. I mean, if you're working or something, something's coming on if you miss a Sunday, I'm not the one that gets on to you. If you're traveling or something, I'm not the one that gets on to you. Uh, because, you know, where's your heart at with God? But well, if, 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 yeah, I can just hit it or miss it today. There's a lack of fear and respect for God. Being in the house of God and, and coming to worship Him. He says, those who fear Him from generation to generation. That was not only before her, but up to us today. We see this lack of fear of God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud. Uh, he has scattered the proud. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. God is in charge. We need to be praying for our government and our people, but know that God is in charge. And God, God establishes, puts up and takes down. God will protect those that are mighty. Those will protect, he'll protect those that are mighty. And we need to be in prayer for that. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. One of the hardest things to have to deal with as a pastor and to keep your mouth shut. Preacher, and that, this has not happened at this church or a Lapahal church. Let me just say this up front. This is not a problem here. Preacher. You don't do this, you don't do that, da-da-da-da, somebody does this. I'm not going to tie the church. You're not getting a paycheck. Or you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. They think they're in control of their money. There's a story of Matthew, and he's storing the, the guy's building the barns and storing up all of his all of his product, you know, all of his produce and everything that he has. And you know, he's talking about how proud he is, and he has stuff for years to come now. And God says, You fool. Today, your life is required of you. And when your life is required of you and you stand before the throne of judgment, how are you going to be tested? How are you going to be judged? All of us who stand before the throne of judgment, we will be judged. We'll be judged. And Liz, Liz, out of all things, why she had to say this one time, this was about a year, earlier this year, I blame Liz for this. Am I doing enough? 
Because we're going to be judged on our good works. We're going to be standing before the throne. The first, the only reason you're going to get to the throne room is because you believe in Jesus. And you have truly in your heart you believe in Jesus. But number two, how have you done? How have you done with the resources God has given you? How have you done with the time that God has given you? How have you done with all the stuff that God has given you? Because everything you have, every penny you own, everything that you have, including time, including your health, including everything else, belongs to God. I have known proud people blasphemy God to be in the hospital for months afterwards and lose everything. And, and so <clears throat> we got to go along there with that. He will take down the mighty if he needs to. He will strike them down. He will do these things because <coughs> God is there. Jesus deals, Jesus talks about three things a lot. If you read in the Bible, in the New Testament, he deals with heaven and hell and the poor. You know, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And every time Tammy gets on this kick about giving more, giving here something, I'm just thinking, I mean, I'm hoping to go to heaven on Tammy's coattails, by the way. I'm thinking, oh man, there goes my money again. But you know what? We have been blessed more and more by the more we give. Uh, Rasalem MD, I don't know if anybody knows him. He's a psychiatrist in Valdosta. He's from India. He has Hope Hope for Feed the Children ministry. He used to do, I don't know if he still does or not, but he used to do these seminars and stuff for pastors. He did a lot of stuff for pastors in Valdosta, and I would attend him. He was a great guy. He had started off, he came and his wife come from India and he got to school, got the psychiatrist business going, accepted Christ in this process. And the long story short is, he said, the more he gave to God out of his heart, not trying to get anything back from God, the more God had blessed him. God says, if you're, if you're faithful with a little, I'll make you in charge of a lot. Maybe we're not in charge of a lot because we're not faithful with the little. Maybe we're not, we don't, we don't. You think about it. How are you faithful with what God has given you? And, you know, there's people that, like the PB&J ministry, people are faithful with that. Does that ministry not continue to grow and grow in these people's hands? Why? Because, God, you're faithful with a little. God will give you a lot. Sometimes you might be thinking there, hey, God, I got enough. <laughs> you know? but, but God's going to continue with that. But back to, uh, back to this uh, psychiatrist about also there. He sat there, and the last time I talked to him, which is probably 10 years ago, he was giving away 90% of his income. And he says that 10% is still too much to live on. Giving away 90% to feed this children program and different things. Every pastor in Valdosta, and I'm including myself, if I need to go see the psychiatrist, I can go. Every pastor in their family sees the psychiatrist for free. Every person like that. And if you had somebody who was just in a real bind that needed to see, many times you'd call him up, he would just see him for free and, and go along there. Because that was the guy he gave back. He, he, he wasn't in this world to be rich. He was in this world to make it better. And that's what we're going to be judged on. We're going to be judged on that. Number one, our belief in Jesus. Number two, if you believe in Jesus, how have you acted with the stuff that Jesus has given you? Now, how have you done it? Think of Mary. Think of Mary has nothing, nothing. And yet God entrusted her with the Savior of the world. I mean, you talk about a steep order there. Hey, Mary, yeah, I know you don't have nothing, and you're going to have a kid in the manger, you're going to have to go on the run to Egypt, and all these other things. But I need you to care for the Savior of the world. I need you to watch him and take care of him and raise him. 
until he's ready to be the, the, the one on scene. Now that is a tall order. I'm not sure I want that order, but that's a tall order. Her last part, verse 54 and 5, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. We're part of the seed of Abraham. Remember that song? Father Abraham. You know, but I know we sing it every VBS, so I understand that song. But we go along. We're part of that. And I'm not going to do replacement theology. Uh, Israel still Israel. Uh, yeah, that's God's timepiece. But look at America. Look at America. And I don't want to get too far into politics, but we went through, and we really know now, how corrupt our government was. We hired a guy that had his own money, ran an election on his own money, and, and, and still lives on his own money and takes nothing from the government. And we all of a sudden, now nobody can buy the president. And we see, the, we see how deep the corruption is. How deep the corruption is our government. And you can't tell me that God has helped his servant be in office. He has remembered his mercy. I'm on a prophetic website and several things. I said, the thing that we need to do as a church, because we talk about the Wiccan thing on that site, is the church better start getting on their knees and praying for this country. We need to be on our knees and realize that God is in control. God will bring us the blessings, or God will give us the punishment. And you can say, well, you know, the Glory Church, we're a pretty good chunk. You know, so there's other people over there that need to be wiped out. You know what? And in, uh, in all the other places got wiped out. There was a few good people. But punishment comes across all nations altogether. And so the message is today, number one, number one, hey, whatever situation you're in today, are you magnifying the Lord? Are you singing praises to him anyway? Are you, you know, if you, if you will start praying and singing praises to God, that'll change your situation. It'll change. I mean, it'll it'll at least change your attitude and your state of mind. Number two, she's out there talking to the people to be a witness to them. Hey, God, God will be merciful for you. Back to this guy JL, I did a funeral for. I, I shared his salvation story. I, I a year ago I went there to the hospital where he was at. I thought he was going to die then, and I shared Christ and he accepted Christ. And, and people want to say, well, you know what JL was like. I could care less what he was like for 74 years. But I know on the day in his heart that he accepted Jesus. You know what 74 years did? Shoop! Clean. Clean as, clean as can be. I heard uh, things, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I heard that at a biblical point. They said, don't think snow. Because the blood of Jesus and because of the Savior has made you white as snow before the Father. Isn't that awesome? I always agree of a white Christmas. I'm thinking, because I'm in Alaska, I'm in Idaho, I live in Missouri. I have seen it snow on Christmas. I never put the two together. The white Christmas that we need is the Savior to clean our souls and make us stand white before the throne. How is that possible? How is that possible? Because Jesus sat there at that table 2,000 some years ago. When he raised that bread, he gave thanks to the Father. 
And he looks at those people and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. You know, just like Mary, and this is, we really see this as a thing, and just in our own lives, we're no different. We see Mary's song is prophetic. It is for generation to generation to generation. Jesus at that table, I think they just thought it was for them. At that table, it was prophetic. Jesus said, this is, I break my body for you for all generations. Takes a cup, he gives it to his father, gives thanks. He says, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. For the sins of who? The whole world. This is what makes you and me white as snow. Because you and me are unworthy to stand in the throne room without the blood of Jesus. Without this blood, you and I are unworthy. With this blood, we are just as righteous and clean as Jesus is himself. I mean, that, that is the Christmas present, people. We got nothing else for Christmas. That is it. So let us pray. If we had any gluten-free people, you're a gluten-free one, right? All right. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask you to continue be with us. Bless this bread to be your body. Bless the juice to be your blood. And Lord, continue to be with us this Christmas time. Don't give us bitterness or don't give us or any other, other thing. Even when people aren't here, Lord, let us pray for those who aren't here. Let us pray for those who are traveling. Let us pray for those who need to know you. And Lord, let us be the instrument that brings peace and salvation to all. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Harold will come up. I guess it would be Harold to me today. What is to you last, Bonnie? Is that all right? Let me untangle here. I'm afraid we're going to get electrocuted one day. Body of Christ broken for you.
And Lord, we just give you all the thanks in the world. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As you're ready, come forward. We would like that. Is it only me? Did you take communion? Did you take communion? Did you? Did you take communion? Okay, I missed you. Uh, is it just me or is it everybody? Man, forgiveness gets sweeter and sweeter every Sunday I take it. Uh, man, I, just, I, mean, I look forward to coming over here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves as we come. Lord, we have been in your word, we have feasted on your word, we have feasted on your elements. Those we have prayed for, Lord, continue to bless them and have your Holy Spirit fill them. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to be with us in all that we do. Amen.